Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. God still inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. Let's give the worship team a hand for lifting the name of the Lord. And, and give your youth a hand. They've been a, a real blessing. Praise God. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm impressed with this church because the volunteers, the servant hearts are so precious and what a blessing. Would you please give them another hand? I, I'm in a lot of places and, and it's like they do it not because they have to, it's, it's like they want to and that's pretty awesome, amen? amen? Well, our theme this weekend has been glory and our main theme verse was out of Isaiah. Oh good, they got it up there. And it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, train of his robe, filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then Isaiah said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Not talking about this church. Anyway, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips and with it said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Anybody ever heard that passage before? Well, it's, what's amazing, that was our main theme verse. But in a nutshell, watch where we went with this. God revealed his glory. Isaiah sees his glory. So he sees the, the glory, the holiness, the righteousness of the living God. When he sees who God is, now he sees who he is. He says, oh no, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man. Can anyone relate? So glory reveals who God is. It also reveals who we are or who we're not. But watch this, with this confession, with this brokenness, with this repentance, all of a sudden a, a, a seraphim, an angel, goes to the altar of fire, takes out a coal with tongs, and he comes to Isaiah and places them on his lips, removes his guilt, his sin, and his shame. Such a transformation. Now the Lord says, whom shall go for us? And I says, here am I, send me. So he went from, I am ruined, to hear my send me. And that's the transformation. Listen, when we encounter the living God, he removes our iniquity, our sin, our bondage, and all of a sudden he makes, actually he calls us the righteousness of God in Christ, so much so that he calls you and me to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, an ambassador for Christ, and he wants us to go. But that transformation takes place when we encounter the living God. And we shared quite a bit of that. One example, I'll just do one. In, in Luke chapter five, you'll see this because it's interesting when Moses asked to see, Lord, I want to see your glory. God says, I'll let my goodness pass before you. 
So oftentimes when God is doing good in your life, God's revealing his glory to you. But in Luke chapter five, here's, here's Jesus come down to shore and there's Peter and uh, some, some of his buddies there. They, they, they just finished fishing all night. They're cleaning their nets and, and Jesus says, would you push your boat out so I can speak to the people? So Jesus preaches and then I can already see Peter. He's just ready to, you know, he's been cleaning his nets. He's ready to go home. And, and after Peter, Jesus preaches, he says, Peter, push, push your boat out to the deep for a big catch. And Peter goes, uh, Lord, we fished all night. And I can read what he's thinking. Lord, I'm fisherman, you preacher. I know what I'm doing. I do this for a living, you know. Well, you're not doing too good, buddy. But nonetheless, so, so watch what happens. And so he wrestles with that. And, you know, I'll just share, I, I think sometimes the, the toughest place for our, us to believe or expect God to move to have faith for is oftentimes the area we have amazing knowledge or are skilled in that area. Peter was a fisherman. So why would I listen to a preacher about fish? So just a challenge where you are ever blessed or gifted or skilled, maybe it's time to ask God to put his super on your natural and see what he can do, amen? So, so Peter says, okay, at your word, and he pushes it out. And I, and I love the, the movie. Anybody seen any of The Chosen? <laughs> I love the scene in there, because there Peter goes, oh, God, and Peter goes, oh, like this, and then all of a sudden the boat goes, oh, like this, because uh, all of a sudden the nets start to break. He's never, and then somebody, they shout for the other boats to come, and they're coming, and, and now both boats are starting to sink. And Peter, who's never seen anything like this in his life, nor any other fisherman, okay, maybe you all some fish stories out there, but nonetheless, and so much fish, and how does Peter respond? He turns and he falls at the feet of Jesus, and listen to what he says. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When he saw the goodness and the glory of God, he saw who he really was, but in the midst, watch it, here's what takes place. When you respond, depart from me, I'm a sinner. When you make that confession, when you have that brokenness, when you truly repent, then all of a sudden the Lord says, don't be afraid. And he lifts him up and he says, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. See, listen, God wants to take us from where we are to have us walk in our calling and in our destiny. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you're going. And when you yield to the living God, God will place his hand of blessing on you in such a way that you walk in the blessing God has for you to bless this world. Yes? You know, I read these things and it's, oh, I didn't, look at that. I didn't even know they had the scripture still up there. I, I love how it says I'm doomed, I'm a sinful man. But um, I, I, didn't, I didn't believe some of these stories at all because I, I wasn't raised this way. I, I, was, I was raised as a Muslim. Um, my father's from Jerusalem, Palestinian. My mom's Lebanese, but all five of us kids, myself the oldest, grew up here in the United States of America. And, and, but I'll never forget, it was after my first year of college. And as a matter of fact, my first year of college was in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I led two guys to the Islamic faith. I don't know many Muslims that have led others to Islam, you know, other than by force, but nonetheless... So, so what's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm just going to trust the Lord's going to let me share this. I, I, I don't often share this, but um, 
I, I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And some of you may know the name of that school because when 9-11 took place, uh, most of the pilots responsible, I won't, they weren't pilots yet, I don't think, but most of those responsible for that tragedy got their pilots training, their aeronautical training, where I was at Embry-Riddle. As a matter of fact, the Trans-Mediterranean Air Airlines, that's the only place they sent for their training. And, and I'd hang around with them because I, I, I learned defense with them, table tennis, et cetera. But I can tell you this, that no one ever shared Christ with us. No one ever invited us to church. And, 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 I, and I share that to say I, I, I wonder why because I skipped my high school part. But after my first year of college, where I actually got my pilot's license, I go back home. My family's now living in South Florida. I'm on the beach, and this high school girl comes up to me, and she's the first Christian that I can recall to ever share Christ with me. And she's talking and sharing a little, and then she does something. She invites me to this Christian coffee house called Cornania. And as I realized it was Christian, I, listen, I had no desire to go to anything Christian. As a Muslim, let me give you a little Muslim mindset. As a Muslim, I knew that Christians were deceived. I knew they had corrupted the, corrupted the Bible. They had taken this prophet, Jesus, made him to be the son of God. They believed in the Trinity and three gods. And I mean, I just, uh, what's interesting, uh, Nominal Muslims, secular Muslims, it's ingrained in them. They, they believe that, even if they don't follow the faith. As a matter of fact, while I'm on that line, I will tell you something else Muslims believe, which a lot of people are surprised to find out. Muslims believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Muslims believe that Jesus was sinless. Muslims believe that Jesus did miracles. As a matter of fact, they have miracles in the Quran from Jesus that aren't in the Bible. And Muslims believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and that he's coming back. Did you know that? Sounds pretty Christian, doesn't it? However, in that mix, they don't believe Jesus to be the son of God, incarnate in the flesh, and they don't believe that he was crucified on the cross, so they don't believe in a resurrection. But they do believe he is coming back. Of course, I won't get into all that right now. I don't want to get off on a tangent because they said I have to be done by 2.30, so I just want to make... Oh, you got to laugh. So... So, but that, I, I shared that because I didn't want to go to this Cornania thing, but she was really cute, so I decided to go. <laughs> Not near as cute as my bride, as at home with my six children, glory to God, three sons, three daughters, so we're going to take up an offering. No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> I'm supposed to be preaching. I don't know what's going on here, so, so, so watch what happens. So I went because of that invitation, and I shared that because I know some youth were invited here this weekend. You have no idea the power of a simple invitation. That invitation eventually led to what changed my life forever and literally thousands of lives have been changed for eternity because a high school girl had courage to invite someone. And listen, and there's reasons we don't share. We're intimidated, we're fearful, we don't know what to say. They have their own belief. We don't want to be rejected, politically incorrect. We don't want to be mocked. But listen, every one of us can invite, especially to a church like this. This church is so welcoming. There's food every time I turn around. The people, 
The people are kind. You know, it's interesting. An old proverb in the old living Bible says, kindness makes one attractive. When you're kind, people are drawn to you. And this church, just, just invite someone, especially to like a youth event or whatever you have. It, you never know what God's going to do. I, I share that to say through that encounter, eventually one night I'm trying to sleep and all of a sudden this, this question came up. And, and it's a question, it's, it's understood in Islam, you never ask this question because I was questioning my faith. But the question was, why am I Muslim? And I'm answering myself, well, of course I'm Muslim. My mom and dad are Muslim. They're loving, they're godly, and I'm, and I'm, I'm there. I'm thinking, of course Islam is right. And then I'm lying there. I thought, why do the Christians think they're right? The Hindu, the Buddhists, the Jews, the Sikhs. I started thinking, atheists. Everyone thinks they're right. And that night, I, I did something. I, I cried out to, Allah, to, to God. I said, I said God... I want to know the truth, but I don't want it based on my family, religion, or tradition. And this is what I said. I said, God, if you show me who you are, I will serve you. I'll follow you all the days of my life. I meant business with God. I didn't get an answer that night, and I'm not going to share my journey. And my bride, if she's not here, she would say, oh, you got to share this, this, and that. I said, listen. This, this, and that is six hours, and I have 30 minutes, okay? So I have to, whatever comes out, I trust God, okay? So what's interesting, I, I did went into a little researching, visiting places, religious. I did quite a bit of research. This is before there was smartphones or computers, so you had the encyclopedia, the libraries, places of worship. And in all sincerity, I only became more confused, but I, I became pretty desperate. Um, I was, uh, my dad, uh, we had some restaurants. We lived pretty well. We lived underwater. I was driving a sports car. I was flying air. But I, just good life, good home, good family. But I got to a point where I was so restless and so hungry. And, and I, I love this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It said, when God made us, he put eternity in our hearts and in our minds. And if you expand the Hebrew, watch this. It says it's a divinely implanted sense of purpose which nothing under the sun except God alone can satisfy. So God made every human being with eternity. I think Pascal called it a God-shaped void. And nothing satisfies except God. So, so we reach for relationships and friendships and drugs and alcohol, materialism, fame, success, and and. And, but there's still, you know, one of the privileges I have for quite a few years, I, I do the pregame chapels for the Houston Rockets and the visiting team. Purely volunteer. No one may come or 20 may come. You never know. But I, I, I was always amazed how, why some of these 20-something-year-old millionaires would come listen to a guy that I don't even hardly remember my name. But I've, I've watched them through the years, these 20-something-year-old millionaires, a lot of them coming from the hood, all of a sudden, they can get anything they want and everything they want. But they don't get the one thing they need. The only thing that satisfies is the living God. So I was seeking God, but you know what I found out? God is not lost. <laughs> we are lost. So God puts that eternity to us where he calls each one of us by name. If, if there's discontentment, if you're wondering or thinking or trying, listen, the answer is the living God, Jesus himself. 
There's a contentment that comes that nothing else takes place of. So I, I'm seeking, wanting to know, and I'm not gonna share the part my, my bride likes with my, because I, I wanna share some family stuff. One night, it, it was a step of faith, but I asked Jesus to come into my life and be my Lord for one week. <laughs> that was one week, I... Because I figured, let me get past Jesus, then I'm going to go on to the next religion of faith. Well, that, that, week, ne- that week never ended, okay? I, I won't share the whole, whole thing that took place. But uh, it was a radical change, and of course, I didn't tell my family. And, and, uh, but maybe some of you, or some of you might know, maybe you had a mom like mine that just kind of knows things. Anybody like that? Your mom just, how does this she know? I'll never forget one day I'm walking out the door, and my, my mom says, son, Salim? And I go, yeah, mom. And she said, did you become a Christian? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I froze, and, but I didn't want to deny my faith, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm the firstborn of fine. I'm the most devout and devoted of the whole family. And she asked me that, and I finally said, yes, I got to go. And she said, son, Salim? She goes, I said, yeah, mom. And she goes, you have to tell your father. I said, when I come back, I just figured I wouldn't come back. <laughs> I did come back, and I won't go through everything, but it came to a point where... My dad called me at my friend's house. She, my mom called me and says, your dad's home. He wants, to, he wants you to come home. He wants to talk to you. So I already knew what was happening. And I'll never forget. I never know what part of my story is coming out. I, I don't know that I share this hardly at all. I go into the den. My mom and dad are sitting on the couch in front of the TV. TV's turned off. That's not good news. And I'm thinking, that, so my father says to me, your mom says you have something to tell me. I said, yes, Dad, and I proceeded to share much more than what I shared with you, but in the midst of that, I, I let him know that, uh, let them know, I would ask God to show me the truth, and he, he showed me what, that Jesus was more than a prophet, actually the Son of God, risen from the dead, Lord of all, I'm now a follower of Christ, I believe in the Lord Jesus, and I, I didn't realize the shame and dishonor that I was thrusting upon my mom and dad, it, it was pretty, I, I think God blinded it from me. I, someone was talking to me the other day and, you know, ways to reach, reach Muslims and, and, you know, how do you deal with the Trinity? How do you deal with the Incarnation? How do you do it? And, but the biggest stumbling block, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, because uh, I've met with thousands of Muslims, the number one reason, I've learned something. A lot of them actually believe, but they would never receive because they would never want to shame their family. In other words... Watch this, because that honor-shame-based culture, they would rather be wrong than dishonor or bring shame on their family. So they, don't, they never receive that. So, and God blinded me from that, because I, I don't know how far I would have gone. And, and in, in our culture, there, there's a bond there. My, my, my dad's name is Robin, but when I was born, firstborn, they, he's now called Abu Salim, father of the firstborn son. That's just our culture. I was named after my father's father, Salim who was unofficially the imam in their single, single minaret mosque in a village called Bir Nabala, just on the north side of Jerusalem, a very small village. But he's, my grandfather was when they climbed those, that minaret five times a day. He's the one that did the call and awakened the village for prayer. And five times a day he did that. I'm named after him. And I'm now letting my mother and father know that I'm no longer a believer in this, that I'm now a follower of Christ, I'm a Christian. And 
Lord, should I go there? This is never, I, I, the only thing I knew about, when I accepted Christ, the only gospel I know I was listening to, you need Jesus to go to heaven, and without Jesus, you go to hell. That was pretty much my gospel, okay? <laughs> Great news, right? And, I, and I, I know I said some things that were probably inappropriate when I'm talking to my mom and dad. They're not, not, fault, not faulty or false, but just inappropriate at the time. But something happened. It's, I've only had this happen twice in my whole life. As I'm talking to my mother and father, all of a sudden, an open vision. It scared me. It was flames of fire. Fire. And it's like my parents wanted to back fringes of the flames. And I started screaming, can't you see? Can't, can't you see? And I remember reaching, trying to pull my, my mom and dad out of the flames. And finally, the flames dissipate. And, and we're all weeping. And then my father and I looked at each other. And I could no longer be part of that home or family. And I had to leave. So accepting Christ, it cost me my family. But look, God gave me a bigger family, the family of God. Amen. But through the years, just God started working. Um, my dad told my sister, he said, would you get Salim? He didn't want his son. He said he needed help in the restaurant. Kind of like the opposite of the prodigal. He was hoping for a job, and he got the familyhood. And I, I was just glad to be close to my family. But what's interesting, over the next 10, 12 years, all my brothers and sisters became followers of Christ. God is so good. My mom and dad, and they moved back to Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, uh, but there were some times I got to share with my dad, one-on-one -on -one in the deep freeze. He catch me eating uh, Briar's ice cream in there, so the five-gallon thing. And, and I, I talked to my dad, and, and I don't know how many times this happened. I would talk to my dad, the presence, really, the glory of God, which, uh, and my dad would start to weep. And I would think, this is it. Remember, the glory comes, you can repent, you know, be broken and confess, or, you know, Romans says you can recognize him as God, but not glorify him God, as God or give him thanks. And then your mind becomes dark. And every time that happened, my, and I thought, this is it. And then he always did this. He'd fold his hand like this and he'd point at me and he'd go, I'll never change. I'm Muslim. I'll never deny my faith. I'm Muslim. And you know when you pray for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I'll never change, I'm Muslim, I'll never deny my faith, I'm Muslim. My dad, my dad gets ill and sick and diabetes and kidney failure and dialysis and oh, heart attacks and bypass surgery and amputation. My, my dad's not even supposed to be alive. And we brought him back to the States and he's in medical center downtown Houston and it came to a point that they're kind of amazing. And I'll never forget the, the day they said, your, your dad will not make it through this night. Now, for the last 23 years, my number one prayer for 23 years was the salvation of my family. Nothing even came close. That's all that mattered because it's like the Lord showed me the reality of eternity. And uh, so uh, my dad, I walked back into the hospital room and I walked back in and my, my, my dad's on the hospital bed. My mom's on the, the, the chair right next to my dad. My mom will never leave my father's side. And I walked back in and it's about four and just I prayed with my sister and and it's interesting because the Lord kind of both gave us the same promise with different passages. And I said, okay, Lord, it was me and my household's going to be saved. And, and for my sister, after 70 years of captivity, because now my mom and dad have been in Islam for 70 years, now going on 71 years of age. And I walked back in there, and I will tell you, I'd been praying and expecting. I said, Lord, Lord, I used to debate with my dad, and I said, Lord, no more debating. And, and God would, I said, Lord, you appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. You sent an angel to Cornelius. 
Lord, you said the pure in heart would see you. God, you're no respecter of people. It's your will that none should perish. Lord, the promise you gave to the Philippian jailer that he and his house would be saved. Lord, I believe you've spoken that to me. So I, I go in expecting salvation before my mom and dad, before my dad passes away. I mean, I, I was just expecting. I walk in there, my dad's on the bed and I thought he was asleep, he wasn't asleep and he turned his face from me and gosh, that's pretty major, we don't do that. And uh, my mom was asleep and then I could tell my dad wanted to tell me something. And he's weak as water and he's trying to push up on the bed and, and, I, and I already knew you know, either he had a vision or a dream and I, I, I meet people all the time that have dreams and visions. It's just to me. I said, Lord, it's sure a lot easier to lead them to Christ when that happens. Why don't you just visit everyone like Saul on the road to Damascus? Okay, so anyway, so, so my dad's like, he wants to say something. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm so ready for this. And, and then he did this. He raised his hand. He says, I'll never change. I'm Muslim. I'll never deny my faith. I'm Muslim. And it, it hit me so hard, but I still have this problem. I, I love, I respect my parents. I, I don't want to say, I climbed on top of my father's hospital bed. I straddled my father like that. I said, dad, please don't say that. Dad, if I am wrong, I'm willing to change. Dad, if everyone said that, no one would ever change. Please don't harden your heart. My mom wakes up and she said, we don't want to harden our heart. My dad says, I don't want to harden my heart. And I wish I could tell you the whole story, but I got to leave. No, so anyway. <laughs> But I, I will tell you this, because there's something I really want to show you. And we, we pray that every service except today, I had led the students in a prayer. Lord, Father, help me to not harden my heart. Father, bless me with a pure heart. Let me see you, let me see as you see, and show me your glory. And with God getting into great detail, they, he, my dad passed out that morning, and they thought they'd lost him, and then they... They talked about, I didn't even know what hospice was back then. I thought I'd, I'll take him myself and, I'm sorry, I had to blow my nose. Could you just give a Lord a hand so some? <laughs> Thank you, y'all are awesome. And uh, anyway, that late that, that next morning, that afternoon, evening, I take my dad out to take him to hospice. I didn't take him to hospice. I took him to a restaurant. <laughs> it was my mom and dad's anniversary. My brothers and sisters and families are there. My dad's weak as water. He can't, he, he's on a tank and air, oxygen and a wheelchair and, and he, he couldn't even eat. He just, just loved to be with family. It was Sunday. And Sunday evening, we have church. I said, let's go to church. At that time, my, dad, my dad's 112 pounds. I can take him wherever I want. And I took him to church without getting into great detail. After 70 years of Islam, 71 years of age, both my mom and dad received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, became believers and followers of him. My dad was supposed to die. My dad lived another year and a half, actually got a prosthesis. They built a, like these condo apartments on our property over there. Um, my dad uh, went to heaven a year and a half later, saw my firstborn. Um, my dad's apartment, I, I can share more now. My dad's condo became the first underground church for Muslims coming to Christ in all of Israel. My, my mom is now 90, she turns 94 next month, living with my sister in Houston, 94, and she's the wildest preaching machine for Jesus on the planet. But, but it, it started with a simple invitation. 
And I know it's 11.44 and I got like two minutes. So Aubrey, jump up here real fast. Quick, quick. I, I want to show you, this is, I've seen hundreds of athletes come to the Christ and just stand right there. But uh, God unfolded this to me when I was ministering to Muslims in uh, Africa, Kenya, I believe. I'm trying to remember. In, in the beginning, God, holy, clothed in glory, righteous. You get the picture? And God said, let us create man in our image. Perfect specimen, yes? Come on, give him a hand. So. God, God breathes, man becomes a living being. But why? Why did God create man to begin with? I had my spiritual answers, but God created us, look at this, for this, for relationship, for fellowship. God's a daddy. He wanted a family. Our purpose is this intimate covenant love relationship with daddy God. He's a good daddy. Maybe you didn't know one, but he is. Heavenly Father is a good daddy. So our purpose is this relationship. God blesses Adam, sets him in the garden, gave him a job. And one of the things, you probably know the answer to this, Adam, as you take care of this garden, you can eat from every tree except from how many? Don't ever eat from that one tree. The day you do, you will surely die. Adam and Eve disobeyed, they eat. Did they drop dead? They, they didn't drop dead physically that, that, that day. Watch this. They died in their relationship to God. It was a spiritual death because that disobedience became sin and the life. Yeah, put it on, bro. Don't, don't be too good at putting sin on, but just make sure. So a sinful man can no longer have a relationship with God. Maybe you know the scripture that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Jesus never came to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Because of sin, we're dead to God. If we die in that condition, we're eternally separated from God in hell. But that's not why he created us. He created us for a love relationship and God already had a plan because nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing in your life surprises God. He knows every iniquity, every bondage, every shortcoming, every skeleton, your lust, your anger, addictions, pornography. God knows all about us and he still passionately pursues us with his love. And I won't get into all of it, but this holy God in the old covenant wanted a relationship with us. So he allowed man to offer sacrifice, particularly on the day of atonement. But it, if he thought that the sacrifice was good, he would let that blood cover our sin for a season. Why? Because now he could continue this. Don't worry, I won't do that again. But, <laughs> but, but, but this is what we're created for. But man continued to sin and continually had to offer sacrifice after sacrifice. And then God in his wisdom, over 2,000 years ago, he revealed his mystery and he sent the perfect sacrifice. He sent the Lamb of God, his son, Jesus Christ. Sacrifice, crucified on the cross. You know the story, dead and buried and raised from the dead. And God takes the blood of his son, Jesus. If you look at the scripture, he, he actually doesn't cover our sin. Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, doesn't cover. Jesus, the Lamb of God, what's he do? He, he takes away the sin of the world. Now watch, he wants to cover you and me with his blood. And talking about Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin actually became sin. You know what it says after that? He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. There was a divine exchange. The wages of sin is death. That's why Christ died. He paid for all, all our sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Free gift? Yes. God forces this on no one. It's a gift. And a gift must be received. Not just believe. The demons believe. We know who you are, the Holy One of God. But receive. Actually make him your Lord 
your Savior, your Master, your King. And how do you do that? I love Romans 10, mouth and heart. If I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart, God raised, from, raised him from the dead, I would be saved. What does that mean, saved? means I receive the gift of salvation. You receive eternal life. You become the righteousness of God in Christ. He makes you a new creation from the inside out. Jesus rose from the dead. He overcame hell, sin, death, and the grave. And, and he sealed this. Sealed. Nobody can snatch you from the hand of Jesus. Now, when you make that decision, he's ready for heaven. But you're not going today, Lord willing, right? But why not? Because, listen, God has a divine purpose and destiny for our lives while we're here. It's to impact people's lives for the kingdom of God. And maybe to support, to pray, to feed, to preach, however. But God has you here to make a difference. And I'm going to share this and I'll walk up the stage. In the Muslim world, several... I remember when I accepted Christ, but when, when my parents found out I was baptized, it's kind of over. There's several, several sects in, or regions in Islam. You can say you're Christian, but once you, get, once you are baptized, you make that public confession, it's like you're, you're preferring Christ over your culture, your religion, and your family. And I won't get into details, but it means you're truly loyal to this king that you're going to follow, the Lord Jesus. I share that because you'll have an opportunity right after church, especially you young ones that made that decision or about to make this. So let me actually close in prayer since I'm four minutes over right now. But uh, So uh, do me a favor. Let's pray this out, out loud. I'm going to pray to receive Christ and that we would choose to follow him. So j- this will be encouraging to someone next to you. Say, say dear God. Yes. Say it like you mean. Say, dear God, I know you created me for a love relationship with you. My sin separated us, but you love me so much. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who died on the cross and I believe in my heart you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I repent of all my sin. You are my God and King. I'll never be the same. Fill me with your spirit. Let me be your light to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.